0: All right. Good morning, Reach Church. Good morning. Now, if kids want to head out now. They can head to Reach Kids. All right. All right. So, we are moving through the Ten Commandments. We find ourselves on commandment number six this morning Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. All right. So, uh, this is a good standard one. Um, we like this as one of the laws. Uh, <laughs> it's generally a consensus that uh, most, most, most law kind of uh, endorses this one. This is a this is a good one. Um, but but uh, we want to make sure that we we get as much as we can out of this commandment. That there is a lot more to it. We want to see the heart of God. We want to see the reasons. Um, behind this commandment how they fit into the rest of uh, scripture and how this commandment um, is built upon like built upon the gospel what the foundation is here so let's pray and then let's let's jump into this commandment pray with me father we thank you that you are the author of life that in Christ, all things hold together and have their being. And Father, I ask that as we look at this commandment, you would convict us and, and change us by your spirit. Father, would this, um, would this commandment be a chance to, to look at your gospel, to see Jesus and see the beauty of, of his work? And Father, would we see the gospel work in our lives? Would you speak through your spirit to each and every one of us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so. Alright, so uh, we're going to start by looking at, at kind of the heart of God in this commandment. The foundation of it. Alright, so everyone everyone kind of believes in this commandment. But, just because uh, it's the same overall conclusion doesn't mean we're getting at it the same way. So, the way the world thinks about this commandment is different than we want to think about it as believers in Christ. So, uh, when the world goes out and thinks about this commandment, you think about it along the lines of, okay, I personally would not like to get killed today. And I'd like some provision in the system making sure that I don't get murdered today. And the kind of the agreement is that each and every one of us feels that way. So you also don't want to be murdered today. And you'd like some kind of system to help help make sure that happens. But the thing is, it's, kind, it's just a, it's a mutual agreement. It's an agreement between people that they've kind of come up with. Because if, if we are really just, just animals, if we've evolved and come, come from kind of no different than the rest of the, the animal kingdom, then there's nothing really underlying this. That A, a lion can go eat an antelope, and no one, no one is dragging the lion off to jail. It's not, it's not a moral thing. It's just the antelope didn't like it. All right, and in the same way, we could say, you know, what? humans humans don't like getting murdered. So we're going to kind of invent this system that makes sure that that doesn't happen. All right. I hope we can do better than that when we're thinking about this commandment. That this isn't just a selfishly motivated, I don't want to die, you don't want to die. That there's reasonings here. So we're going to go a little bit further down, talk about the, the foundation. And just like uh, the last command we talked about, parents honoring your mother and father, closely related to honoring the name of God, kind of the the big commandments are fleshed out in the little ones. In the same way, this commandment talking about humanity and and life is fleshing out the fact that, that we are made in the image of God as we talked about in the second commandment a couple weeks ago. So we saw that humanity is special. That humanity is created with this ultimate purpose of reflecting the nature of God. That we, are, we come to this earth and we represent God because we bear his image. And so everything we do, we do as representatives. And the fact that we speak, the fact that we, we do creative things reflects a God who is the same way. And so there's this inherent value to humanity even in and of itself. That if you are human, you are valuable because you are made in the image of God. You reflect God. You bring him honor. Whether you want to or not, you just do. And what this commandment is, is saying is, like, okay, if that's the case, how do you treat the images of God? When you interact with these images, like, are, do you interact with them as if they are just animals or do you interact with them as if they are the images and the representatives of God? And the most obvious thing that would not represent them as, as these valuable images would be to kill one, to be to destroy the image of God. It'd be to strike down not just a human who do- wouldn't like that, but a representative of God himself who is glorifying and honoring God in their very being. And that's why, that's why this commandment is, is not just some superficial agreement. It is, it is a moral, it is a, an imperative. It's, it's something real, not just a wish. There's a second reason this is so bad. This is so, so heinous in the sight of God. And it has to do with, with what death really is. So death is, is the, the consequence of sin. It is this great evil. It is an evil that is going to ultimately get all of us. It is a curse. It is destruction. It's kind of evil's greatest weapon. And so for humanity to then take up this weapon of evil and of Satan himself... And use it against one another for their own gain, is one of one of the greatest evils imaginable. And so when this happens, you see you see this, this curse that follows. So you have the image, the image, the sacred, the sacred image of God, and you see murder and death embraced. When those two things come together, there's a curse. That the innocent blood, when it's shed, it curses the land that the the land actually cries out for justice and for vengeance. When Cain killed Abel, his blood cried out that God heard it. God heard the curse of the land. We also see that that Cain himself was cursed, that he bears the mark of the curse that that he had murdered. And then you see his, his whole life affected, that he's left Alone, He's left broken. He's left wandering through the world. Actually, a, a fate worse than death. To be cursed with a curse of, of innocent blood upon his hands. Then we see one last final thing that we have to know about, about death is that death is ultimately God's curse for sin that death is, is used as a reminder that we're out of fellowship with the God of life. That so we've broken this connection. We've broken the image. And now that that death has entered the world, we put it in God's hands. That we don't now take up death as a weapon. We don't take it up as a tool. We don't take it up to be used for our own desires, but we leave God and say, God, do what you will with your images. That you gave life, you take it away. Then in your timing, you will take your image when the image is, is done with its purpose of honoring and glorifying you. Alright, so that's kind of the, that's the foundation. Now, what commandments then come out of that? What natural applications do we see? To murder and to to killing. Well, one one conclusion we shouldn't draw is what things, certain things are not forbidden that often are are associated with this commandment incorrectly. So, because death is a judgment, it it remains a judgment. So, God has actually given the sword, the sword of judgment, the sword of death to the state, to the authorities. And they are able to use that as the sword. They're able to use death as a judgment. And so, as Bible believers, we, we do say that, that war is an appropriate application of that. That nation can go to war against nation. That that can actually use for justice and for judgment by God. All right, in the same way, we also this commandment does not condemn capital punishment. That the state has that sword for a reason to execute judgment and justice. Now the state will be held responsible for if they use that for evil or for just means. They will answer to God. They stand before God as his servants and will be judged for that. All right, but that doesn't fall under this commandment. All right, so what does? What does? Taking up that sword for your own good. For your own purposes. That when you strike down, when you murder, obviously this commandment is is coming into view. Alright, this commandment also comes into view when by neglect and by just carelessness, you put other lives at danger. So the the example uh, in the Old Testament is that if you're going to have a balcony, like, you need a railing on your balcony so that people don't fall off. That, like, actually the images of God are that are valuable enough that you actually think about, okay, how do I protect their lives? How do I preserve their life? What do I do that might endanger the images of God in my life? That we're responsible for that. All right. So the, the, the sword is not to be taken up as, sorry, killing is not to be taken up as the sword as a as a weapon of evil all right in this in a different vein in a different vein killing is not a tool either it is not a tool that's where it comes to things like like euthanasia like abortion like suicide that death is not a tool to to choose which images are valuable? Which ones are fulfilling their purpose? Which ones are doing what God called them to do? Or which one, which images we, we want in our lives? Know that an image, an image bearer, is, is valuable in and of themselves. No matter how old, how young, how much suffering they are enduring, that we leave that to God. That God has has greater wisdom than we, we do. God has greater mercy than we do. And that he will take his images when, when it's the time. That he has given life and he knows what he is doing, that life should be, should be respected, should be honored, should be lifted up. It's not a tool. All right. Now that's where, that's where we start to see that if the foundation of what humanity is and what their purpose is changes then the laws start to crumble away and that's where there are consequences for society thinking the way that they do about humanity and about their value about the inherent worth of, of a life that they can, they can put people on the scale and say no they're, they're not valuable enough I don't, I don't want that person in my life I'm not valuable enough to be living. But those questions get muddied. And that's where we know the truth, that man created in the image is inherently valuable. Infinitely valuable. All right. But, but, that's often abused. And we like to think that we as a church, we have, we have this great knowledge, and therefore, We get to use this commandment against the world. And we often reduce these ten commandments to three commandments. Alright, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't commit adultery. Alright, this one's kind of getting lost. So, okay, the ones that have laws associated with them, don't do those ones. Those are the bad people. The bad people are in prison because they do the really bad sins. And we get mad at society and mad at people who are, who are unbelieving for, for failing to meet these demands. All right. There are ten commandments, and also these commandments go a lot deeper than that. And so Jesus demands that we take this a little bit further. So let's talk about the, the heart of Jesus in these commandments. What does real obedience to this commandment look like? What is he really looking for We'll start with Matthew 5, verse 21. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, you can turn there. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. And just because you haven't murdered someone in your life doesn't mean you're not a murderer. Matthew five, twenty-one. You've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus takes his commandment. And he takes it to to its core. That a murderer didn't begin when they picked up the knife and stabbed the person. No, it, it, started, it started inside the very person. With the anger and wrath and hatred in their heart. And the thing he wants us all to realize is that that same heart is in every single one of us. That even though we haven't gone out and murdered someone, we have the heart of a murderer. All right, so. All right, so the last time you yelled at your kids. All right, your kids are misbehaving for the millionth time. And you just lose it. All right, you go crazy. All right. All right. What Jesus is saying is, you just murdered your kids. You murdered them. All right, this, these are the images of God. These are the, the embodiment of God in the world. And you just struck them down. All right, with, with spouses. Okay, so you're fighting. You're fighting with your spouse. You're fighting with your spouse. And you're, you're mid argument, and you have, you have some options. And you start to go through them in your head. All right, first option you could apologize. You could apologize a great option. All right. We skipped that one. All right. Let's keep looking. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. We could admit what we did wrong. Maybe later in the argument. All right. Uh, <laughs> all to right. we'll keep going down the list. Maybe we'll get there. Uh, maybe. Maybe we could, uh, we could at least like validate some of the things that they're saying. Like, oh, I, I could see how you feel. All right, we don't like that one either. All right, so we keep going, and what do we find? What what pops into our head but like, oh, that's a good one. All right, the meanest, like, little spiteful thing you can think of. And which one looks the most attractive of the four? You go, ooh, okay. And you pull that one down, the sharpest dagger your mind can come up with, and you stab them with it. All right. You're murdering your spouse. That that anger, that anger is is the same exact thing that's in the heart of the murderer. It's the same exact thing. There's murder in our hearts. And every time we make that choice, we have made a murderous choice. And we have chosen evil and we have chosen death as as our ally to destroy our spouse. Yes, yes, that's what this is, and that's where I lost my train of thought. All right, that's where. All right, that's where. Oh wait, an insult. An insult is not an insult. That it's it's kind of minor stuff that Jesus is talking about. Okay, who says you fool, you fool? If that's the worst thing you've said in a fight, that's that's child's play. You fool. Whoever insults, like, you're worthless. Okay. He's saying that, that is tearing down the image of God. That is telling an image that is an infinitely valuable because of their inherent worth in Christ and in, in God that they have been created in, that they're worthless. You're killing them. You're killing them. And when we do that, when we do that, just like when we murder, just like when we murder, the curse comes upon us. That we are cursed when we decide to, to pick up that dagger and stab another person with it. All right, the curse starts in our own heart. In our own heart. That we get, we get corrupted by it. And that next time, next time it's going to be that much easier to, to pick that dagger up again. And we come to people who are, who are murderers at heart. It actually becomes the, the standard by which we deal with everything. That anything that frustrates us, we just decide to kill it with words. Kill it with anger. Kill it with hatred. And then the curse starts to spread out to our relationships. That just like Cain, we start we become people who are who are wandering and lonely that we become more and more isolated, that we're labeled, we're labeled with the curse of death, that we are, we are scary, we're mean. We are people that you don't want to be around. The curse comes upon us. All right, so what do we do, what do we do? The problem is that more than probably any other struggle, anger is invisible, it's invisible. And the problem is with our hearts and our hearts don't like to show us when they have problems because then they get attacked and our hearts don't like to change. And so anger hides. Anger hides. So you can be talking to someone who's red in the face, screaming and yelling and you say, say, um, you know, you seem pretty angry about this. I'm not angry. No. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> like, okay. Like, I'm frustrated. Okay. Like, I'm just kind of upset. Well, well, I, I, I should be. You didn't hear what I just said. Like, no, but like, really, you're, you're angry. But you're not supposed to be angry. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be tired. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be spent. But we don't admit when we're angry. Now, some of you know that when you're angry, you, you yell. So you've changed it. So instead of yelling, you do this like slow, simmery, Poisonous thing, or you just you just go away and you don't talk to them ever again. All right, that's angry. All right, or you do the passive aggressive. You're like cooking them eggs and you make them bad on purpose. You know, like <laughs> that kind of stuff happens. It's really creepy, but it does. Like that's that's anger. It's anger. Like you weren't you weren't tired. You weren't hungry. Like you're angry. You have to be able to admit that. All right, the, the best friend of anger, hatred, is the same way. No one ever says they hate someone. You never hear it. Then what do they say? Oh, they, just, they just kind of rub me the wrong way. Yeah, we just don't get along. Yeah, they're, they're just a hard person to deal with. All right, but if you look at, okay, if there are people in your life that you're always frustrated with and you have no patience for, and whenever you get a chance, you assume the very worst about them. If there are people who you can't say anything nice about, and anytime you're talking about them in conversation, you're like, "Man, you get a little dig in about them." All right, the proof is in the pudding. You hate them. You hate them. That's just the, it's just the bare facts. And until we're willing to admit that, we are blind. And this commandment is not going to apply. The commandment is going to be for those people out there. This is not a commandment for those people out there. None of the commandments are for those people out there. All of these commandments are for you. Not your spouse, not your kids. They're for you. If you are a kid, they are for you. Um, (laughs) Don't try to get out of there, hamburgers. I see you. Uh, (laughs) That there's murder in our hearts. We are murderers at heart. All right, but there can still be the lingering, the lingering feelings, but like, okay, but those people out there, they've done, they've done some the really bad things. The really bad things. All right, are there ever people who you just don't really value? You don't see them as very important. When they come into your life, you just kind of wish they would leave quickly. When they start talking to you, you wish you weren't talking to them. This is often with older people. And you think, like, I I don't want to hear their opinions. I just don't really want them. All right, that's the heart of euthanasia. Right there with you. That we don't get to be, well, that's them out there. Like, no, that's, that's me right here. All right, what about when there's people and you just wish that their life didn't get in the way of your life? When there's a hundred people in line at the grocery store, and you just wish that like 75% of them would just disappear, all right? Like, like they they don't need to be here. Casey, we were looking for houses recently. I was just like, what if those people just didn't live there? You know, like then we could live there. Like, all, right. all right. We know what that is. That that's that's the heart of abortion is that we wish that people just didn't exist. They didn't, they didn't ruin our lives and get messy and get in the way. It's all the same stuff. All right, how about, how about when when life kind of sucks and you're suffering and you don't want to worship God anymore? You don't want to be a believer. You don't want to be a Christian. You don't want to be the image of God. You just want to throw in the towel. Or you just want to escape You run and do things that you shouldn't do. You're an idiot. You're foolish. Running from God. We all have the heart of suicide. It's there. It's there. It's not in a few sick people or a few broken people. No, it's it's in all of the broken people. It's all the same stuff. We're all in this together. That's what Jesus is trying to show us. We have the heart of killers. That we don't, we don't love humanity, we don't love life, we don't love giving life, we don't cherish life. We mostly just care about our life and making it as convenient as possible. And if other lives get in the way, we kind of wish they wouldn't be there. All right, that's our hearts. If we're able to admit it. All right. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. That every single time we feel like that, we should be reminded, oh, right, right. I'm not a good person. I don't keep this commandment. And then we start seeking Jesus and we see Jesus like, how did he live his life? Did Jesus live his life as you know, I, I didn't kill anyone today. Like, that's a checkbox. Like, well done. I honored the Father. No, no, he spent, he spent his whole life giving his life to other people. And when you interacted with Jesus, you left with more life. You left with more spiritual life. You left with more physical life, people being healed, people being forgiven. That he sacrificed his whole life, not just at the end, Giving his life to people. And how did he interact with the people who hated him? Did he hate them in return? No, oftentimes, oftentimes he he tricked them a little bit. He would give them scripture that confused them and then send them away. He didn't call them fools. He didn't undermine their, their value as image bearers. He called them back to God and left them to themselves. We think of Jesus in the, in the garden. the let's do one more, one more. That Jesus was the, the resurrection and the life. What did Jesus really hate? He didn't hate the Pharisees. He didn't hate the bad people. He hated death, and he hated sin, and he hated that thing inside of our hearts that when he, when he saw his, his friend Lazarus die, he wept at the tomb because he hated death and he came to be the resurrection and the life. And so we find him in Gethsemane, in Gethsemane, and he's being betrayed. He's going be, to be taken off and murdered. And so what does Peter do? Peter does the natural thing. He picks up his sword and he cuts off one of the servant's ears and what does Jesus say? He essentially says, that's, that's not the tool that I'm going to use. That is not my tool. I'm not using the weapon of death. I'm going to use a cup, the cup of God's wrath, with which I'm going to drink, and I'm going to use the cross. I'm not going to pick up the sword. I'm not going to use death to destroy the things that are coming against me. I'm not going to use death to dro- destroy death. I'm going I'm to die instead. And so Jesus, he, he went before the crowd. The crowd that was yelling, kill him, kill him. And who did they choose? Who did they choose over Jesus? Barabbas, the murderer and the terrorist. That they would rather see Jesus die. And Pilate, he knows it, so he, he washes his blood His hands of the the innocent blood of Jesus. He doesn't want that on his hands. He doesn't want the curse. All right, and who killed Jesus? Who killed Jesus? All right, was it the Roman soldiers? Was it Rome that killed Jesus? In one way, they were the ones who were given the sword. Now, the the Jews didn't have permission to do that, so they, they recruited the state to take care of Jesus for them unjustly. Now, was it the Jewish people? crying out, kill him, kill him, kill him. That was part of it. Was it the, the religious leaders who had, who had band together and conspired this whole thing? That was part of it. But ultimately, who killed Jesus? Sinners with the hearts of murderers killed Jesus. That's who killed Jesus. No one else. And if we are totally honest we would be members of that crowd shouting, kill him, kill him. That we have all once in our lives hated God, hated Jesus. That when we sin, we essentially say, I hate you. And in our sin and in our murdering hearts, by killing one another, by getting angry, by hating one another, we are killing Jesus, his representatives. And what did Jesus end up doing? He gives his life for murderers. He dies for murderers. And now his his blood, his blood is the most innocent, the only real innocent blood. And yet, when that blood gets on us, instead of being cursed and instead of being, being doomed, we find life, that we're washed clean that the sins are washed away and even even our hearts are changed. That our hearts are finally able to see the sin that's there. That we're convicted of it. That we start to hate the sin. And Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he came to give us life. He came to give murderers life. He came to change our hearts. He came, came to to help us love one another, that we would love Jesus. That we would see that actually we do need Jesus. For a long time, I didn't think I needed Jesus. Like, okay, like stop dying for me. Uh, That's weird. All right, you are murderers and like Jesus needed to die for you. And every time you're mean to your spouse or yell at your kids or like shouting angry things at the car in front of you, like Jesus died for that. You need him to die for you. And he did, and he rose to life to give you life. Now, I know that this is this is hard to hear. But this is meant to give us joy. That this is life. Jesus gave us his, his perfect record. J- Jesus didn't just didn't just not kill anyone. He, he died for us. He was killed for us. He sacrificed for us so that we might have life. Now that's supposed to make us love him. And if we love him, we will go out and love the image bearers. We will love those people that that he represents that represent him. Even if they're sinners, even if they're broken, even if they're not doing a good job looking like Jesus, they are a representation of Jesus in and of themselves. And we love them because they have inherent value. We value them because Jesus values them because they represent him. It's, it's this kind of stuff that, that creates people like, like martyrs who are willing to die for other people. Who instead of taking up the sword, receive the sword, they take the sword themselves because that's what Jesus did for them. That they would do that for other people they so believe that, that death has no more victory, death has no more sting, that there's only life in Jesus and because they love him. Alright, so now is the time of joy. Joy! Alright, you are terrible but you are perfect in Jesus. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. There's a phrase that uh, Jack Miller used to say, alright, cheer up You're a lot worse than you think, but you're a lot more loved than you think. That's the point. That's the gospel. So yes, you are haters and you are murderers. And you are forgiven in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we thank you for your commandments. We thank you that you, you show us our hearts so that we may receive the gospel. We thank you that you are the author of life, that that you love life and that you've given us such value, such a beautiful calling, and Father, I ask that you would help us to fulfill that. We confess that that we are murderers, that that we have created alliances with death, and Father, that you that we are not as we are not gracious. We hold people accountable and we are vengeful and Father I ask that in Jesus you would release us from those chains would you release us from anger and give us freedom would you wipe the curse away would you help us to to choose other options to to love and give grace and give more than people deserve Father would you help us to love you and to in turn love the people you've created in your image Father would you help us to give people Jesus that we would be people who don't just not give death, but actually give life to people in the name of Jesus. We pray this in his name.